Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. I'm your host, unlicensed lunch therapist, Adam Roberts. My patient today is someone I'm a big fan of. I watch the show Better Things, and my patient today, Rebecca Metz, plays the manager on the show. She plays Pam Adlon's manager, and she's so funny and so good on it. And she's been on a million other TV shows, everything from ER to Showtime's Shameless to RuPaul's AJ and the Queen. And in today's session, we talk all about acting and the way cooking is a respite from it. A creative thing that I can do when I want to, whatever I want, and the only consequence if I screw it up is that that maybe my husband and I will be slightly disappointed with that night's dinner. Marrying into game show royalty. My husband is a Jeopardy champion and his mother was a Jeopardy champion. And riffing with her weeknight dinners. There's something we call fancy mac and cheese, which is a box of mac and cheese with whatever veggies or bacon or whatever, and other cheeses to like supplement with creme fraiche or and some herbs. We have a garden, so we'll take what's in the garden. So without further ado, here is my session my lunch therapy session with Rebecca Metz. All right. Well, Rebecca, welcome to Lunch Therapy. It's nice to meet you. Thank you. It's so nice to meet you, too. Yeah, well, yeah, we were talking before we started recording, but I you know we followed each other on Twitter at the beginning of the pandemic, and, I, and you're one of those Twitter people that I just feel like I know, but I don't really know you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, we're going to need like a special kind of party once we're allowed to do that again, to meet all the people that we have met in the, you know, offline or online way. It's so funny. I was so innocent at the beginning of my food blog. I was looking at the archives because I started my food blog in 2004 and I would have mm-hmm. meet, meetups. Like I'd be like, let's do a meetup. And I would just meet a bunch of strangers that were like, you know, now it's like the internet is so full of trolls that I'd be like, oh my God. to meet you know, people yeah. randomly. But anyway, but I would love to do that. We should meet up um, soon. I think, I feel like it's happening. I feel like people are starting yes. to break free. Yes. In some places and circles i yes and small numbers yes. <laughs> everything has to have a caveat now it's like as long as we're outside and we yes have yeah. exactly well i ha- also have to say um not only am i a fan of yours on twitter but i'm also a fan of your work and i started watching better things around the same time that you followed me and i love it and i think it's such oh. a good show and it's and it's such a cool thing i'm sure to be a part of um but i love your performance on it it's great Thank you. It is. um, Thank you for that. It is an incredible thing to be a part of. It's sort of um, I was thinking because because the fifth and final season is about to start. We've shot it and it's about to start airing. And it's been, you know, just sort of making me think about kind of where I was when we started Mm -hmm. to now. and, And it's just and it's such a gift that I mean, to talk about it like a job seems kind of too small, but Mm -hmm. But it is a job, and it, it, it's just been uh, an amazing experience. And I've met so many people sort of through it directly or indirectly. And and she's really into cooking on the show. I mean, she, she cooks oh, yeah. a lot. So is that all real? Is that all happening really yeah. on set? Oh, that's so oh, fun. Yeah, yeah that, it's a fully functioning kitchen, and she makes stuff that she makes in life. And the food on set is, I mean, it's not, you know, all stuff that she made. But, like, she there's always recipes Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, she's been told by many, many people that she should do a cookbook. Like, oh, really? Okay, well, is... we'll have her on next, maybe. You know, oh when yeah, she's done with all this. But um, well, what, so I should get to your like food journey because I mean, we're, I wanted to talk a little bit about better things and stuff. But before we get to your lunch therapy, I mean, are you somebody that loves to cook? Are you somebody yeah. that loves to eat out? What's your story? <laughs> all of the above. Uh, I so my 
grandfather, my father's father was a caterer at a synagogue in mm. New York City. So um, there's food and like a Jewish food mm-hmm. in the family lineage. Okay. Um, my dad, my parents both cook, but my dad is really the cook in the family. And a lot of the stuff that I learned from the family got passed down from him and also from my mother's side. And uh, my husband and I both cook a lot. And I think since we got married, we it's more fun to cook when you have someone to cook for and with. A hundred percent. My husband just left for three months to go shoot a movie mm. and I've been ordering in almost every day. I'm like, I don't want to cook for me. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. Like I, when, when my husband in the before times, my husband uh, was a mu- music journalist for a long time and he would go to festivals like mm-hmm. six or seven festivals a year. And um, when he was gone, like I would, I would try to pep talk myself. Like there's no reason not to cook. You'll mm-hmm. do, you'll have the leftovers for lunch tomorrow. Like yeah. you do, like there's no reason not to do it, but it's just no, not as much fun. For are you me a, nurt- when... a nurturer? Like, are you like the gardener or are you the rose in the relationship? Oh, sorry. I this think is getting I'm... very personal. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's I've never thought about it that way. I think I'm a little bit of both. Like yeah. I for sure have a nurturer side. I also have a, someone take care of me side. Because I was asking that because I think I'm the gardener. I think I'm the nurturer. So like when Craig isn't here, I think that I lose my motivation because it's like, well, yeah. my job is to take care of him and I don't want to take care of myself. But then that's my own my own lunch therapy session that I probably need to mm-hmm. do. I, th- I don't know. I think it's just kind of like a, no, this isn't true. I was about to say it's like, it's not that I don't think I'm worth cooking for. It's just like <laughs> so much work. But yes. then like, so I do a bunch of cooking and then it's like, in our house, the rule is whoever cooks, the other person cleans up and we kind of take turns. And it's like, I'm just making work for myself yes. by doing this. And I could just relax and let somebody, <laughs> I feel like ordering out is making someone else take care of me in a weird way. Oh, that, yeah, I, I feel, I totally feel that way. I mean, when the food shows up, I do feel like taken care of. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. somebody cooked this for me, you know, but it's funny yeah. with the dishes. Like I'm so neurotic that I don't like how Craig does the dishes because um. I feel like he doesn't get Because I don't like our dishwasher. I don't think it really works. So mm-hmm. his whole attitude, which I guess is normal, is to just put like a pretty <laughs> dirty dish into the dishwasher. My yeah. attitude is to clean it really, really well and then put it in the dishwasher as a final rinse, which he thinks is ridiculous because why? Why would you put it in the dishwasher if you just cleaned right. it? And right. I guess he's probably right. But anyway, boy, I'm really talking a lot about myself in this session. Maybe you're a little lunch therapist here. <laughs> my therapist, my actual, first of all, it's good that we're doing this because my actual therapy was canceled this week. But she has oh. told me that she thinks I would be a good therapist. So I think this you would. is natural. Thank you. Yeah, I, th- I think you have that, you know, you just seem like somebody who's very easy to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we detoured into the food thing, but now I'm going to circle back to your career before we get to your lunch. But in your day-to-day life, I mean, it seemed, I looked at your IMDB, I guess, as, as one does. I mean, you've been working for a long time as an actor in LA. And yeah. I, I guess my question is like, you know, in this peripatetic, is that the right word? Like lifestyle? I where, have like, no idea. <laughs> I think somebody said that to me once where it's just like, you don't know what's going to, you know, it's like you're going yeah. from place to place. You're going from job to job. Like, do you find cooking grounds you? Um, yeah. Is it a way, and, and how does your eating and your cooking change when you, when you are working versus not working? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. For sure. It's grounding. I also think, I think part of the reason I got into it was because first of all, having a good kitchen that you want to cook in is a big deal. 
but um, it is creative in Los Angeles. So much of the time, if you do anything creative, immediately people want to know how you're going to make money off of it. You know, you say like, oh, I made this necklace. People go, oh, are you going to start an Etsy shop? Like immediately people want to commodify whatever creative thing Mm -hmm. you're doing. And I, for me, it is, I need something creative to do that is not attached to money that I'm not trying to make money at, but because, because as soon as you get into that, you start making concessions, you start making, you know, you can't just follow your whim. You can't just follow inspiration. And so cooking probably mostly for me is a creative thing that I can do when I want to, whatever I want. And the only consequence, if I screw it up, is that maybe my husband and I will be slightly disappointed with that night's dinner, but there's no like, you know, serious consequence. So it's that. And it's also kind of meditative, Mm -hmm. grounding. um, And yeah, just, just like a kind of a ritual thing. I totally get that. It's so funny because I have friends in LA. It's 100% what you just said. Who will be like, "Why don't you charge for your yeah. dinner parties? Why don't you do a supper club? Why don't you?" And it's like you they were like, "You can make millions of dollars." I'm like, "No, no. I would never want to do that." I mean, it just it would ruin it. And mm-hmm. and I've had, you know I've had that happen a little bit, like you know where like even just writing because I've written for a TV show before, and like just like the way that that changes your brain and how you think about yeah. writing and pleasing an audience and pleasing executives. And it, it just, you get rewired. Um, yep. Whereas I hundred percent to your point, like I would not want to get rewired to cook for other people. There is somewhere. Ooh, I think it was an episode of this American life with uh, David Rakoff. I don't mm-hmm. know if you were, a, but, and he was like a craft person like he loved crafting and he went to visit the Martha Stewart crafting department and Uh it was like you know mecca he was just absolutely out of his mind and he had a conversation with the women who like work there around the department or something and they were saying it's actually kind of terrible to do something that you love this much for a living because Mm -hmm. on the days when you are not feeling inspired you have to force yourself to do it and you have Mm -hmm. you know consequences and bosses and deadlines and guidelines and it takes some of the joy the pure joy out of it and it was a great piece that I should go back and listen to but it's about exactly this and does that happen with your acting at all yeah sometimes um sometimes the nice thing I think about television is that if I'm working on something that I don't find particularly inspiring it's going to be over pretty soon Mm -hmm. you know like one of the reasons I did not end up in New York is that the thought of being in a show for two or three years, the same thing eight times a week, even if you are passionate about it, it would get old. Um, And I, you know, I have a lot lot of friends that I went to school with who do that, who are in shows that like, I would be like, I would, I would, I would be in real trouble if I had to do this. Like I would really. I agree. And even when I see a Broadway show, that's, that's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, good or bad. I mean, just how do they do this? Like, how do they do this? Like, and especially the ones like where they're so epic, like Les Mis or something, where it's like, oh my god, three hours on a rotating stage. And so like, you're gonna do that again tonight, and you're gonna do it tomorrow, and you're yeah. gonna do it the next. Yeah, that's crazy. And I like, I've done it. I love doing theater, and I've, I have done it, and also, um, it's just a different kind of stamina. Mm-hmm. I, I like I feel like I need to clarify that I want to get back into theater and do some Broadway and I'm not saying that that sounds unpleasant <laughs> um it, but it, it really is just a different kind of stamina and it can for sure be hard 
when yeah. you're not feeling it. If you have to be funny on a day that you are really not feeling funny or vice versa, you know, yeah, there are days that it is a real drag and you have to remind yourself, like, I worked really, 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 really hard to be able to do this. Yeah, well, I mean, like I the am music, not feeling yeah. it. The Music Man just got bad reviews with Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. And that's that's a different thing, too, because it's like now that whole cast has to do that show again, like eight shows yeah. a week. And, that you know, it's like they, it's not like TV where, like, you do a whole season and then it comes out and then you kind of see how people react. It's like now they yeah. actually have to be. Well, anyway, we're getting off subject. So, yeah. uh, Rebecca, it is time to find out what did you have for lunch today? Um, uh, I'll have to explain this however I want, right? Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I went to the farmer's market yesterday. Like I knew that we were doing this. And so I can't say that that didn't color my process at all, but I went to the farmer's market because it was beautiful weather and Mm -hmm. we needed some stuff. And I, it was one of those trips to the farmer's market where I didn't really have anything on the list. So I could just kind of see what grabbed my attention, what inspired me. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw some beautiful tomatoes and it has been a minute. I feel like since I saw some like beautiful, fresh, heirloom tomatoes so I grabbed some of those and then I walked (laughs) past one of an an Italian vendor that I go Mm -hmm. to sometimes who has beautiful like fresh pastas and sauces and cheeses and all kinds of stuff South Pasadena on Thursdays Uh, and I was like "Uh uh-huh I could do one of my favorite things which is a caprese sandwich Mm. So I got some buffalo mozzarella, some pesto, because not so much basil right now, but I figured I could use the pesto as the basil, some prosciutto, um, the tomatoes. And there was the bakery. So I got a baguette right next to the Italian stand. And so I did a beautiful caprese sandwich with prosciutto for lunch with a little bit of um, Bjorn corn, which is this stuff that I ordered. So Rishikesh Shurway, who is a podcaster who you may have heard of, he's a song mm-hmm. exploder and he did the Westwood Weekly, whatever. He has a newsletter about snacks. Okay. Called, mm, I'm not going to remember what it's called. It's not Snack Attack. It's way cooler than that. But the <laughs> first one just came out and it, his guest was Sami Nosrat and she oh, yeah. recommended this stuff called Bjorn Corn, which is basically popcorn with nutritional yeast. But mm-hmm. I was I like, see that. Okay. I was like, I like, I trust Sami Nosrat. I will order some. And so I had a little bit of that. With my but that wasn't like on the sandwich. That was just like a little no, no, no. As a side. side. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to work with here. I mean, <laughs> uh, I feel like this could be a two-hour session potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my first question that immediately came to mind was the idea of you like being a really good student. Um, yeah. Oh just, God, you are good. <laughs> because there was a lot. There were a lot of moments in describing your lunch where you were like, you know, I knew I was going to be doing this, and am I allowed to say it anyway? Oh, like God. you were sort of like asking permission, like or just sort of wanting to yeah, yeah. please me totally. as your host. So I'm curious, like, have you always, been, yeah, been like a t- you know a, a grade A student, like very wanting yes. to please the teacher, wanting to please your parents. Both of my parents are teachers. Oh my God. <laughs> I, should, I should be a therapist. I'm good at this. Yes. Um, <laughs> and there was what you made me think of immediately is there was a moment in school. So I went to Carnegie Mellon, which is a, you know, acting school. Yeah, it's a great in school. Great acting program. And at the end of each year or semester, I don't remember, you get like called into critiques with mm-hmm. all of your teachers to tell you, you know, all the, all of your flaws. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of mine, probably my junior year, I want to say, 
was uh, Tony McKay, uh, who said, you are an excellent acting student. It is time for you to be an actor. Like, stop trying to do it right and just oh. do it, which is obviously something that has stuck with me. I And I think that is uh, something I probably constantly overcome. And it's, it's not so much about approval as it is like sitting down with myself and, and saying, you know what you're doing. You don't have to try to do it right anymore. This is you so resonant for me. Like this is like, I feel like this somehow this session is becoming like equally powerful for me <laughs> because I went to writing school and, mm. you know, it's the NYU's dramatic writing program. So I studied playwriting and it was sort of the same thing. Like I was always trying to like learn structure and like craft it perfectly. And, and I had this one teacher where like I wrote a really weird play in her class, but like by the end, because of all my other teachers and learning structure, I rewrote the whole play to like be almost uh -huh. like an episode of like CSI where it was just uh -huh. like, everything was like structured formula and then, she, and then she was like you know adam like i kind of thought your first draft like at the beginning of the semester was better and you know and it's sort of that same thing it's like wanting to do it right but then losing a sense of the freedom and the playfulness mm -hmm. of just getting to do it because you want to do it and with acting it's so funny because I, I was going to say earlier when i watch you on better things you seem so natural that I was going to say, I feel like I know you from Twitter, but I also feel like I know you from better things because mm -hmm. I don't feel, it doesn't feel like you're playing a character. It just sort of feels mm -hmm. like this person that you're watching. And so it's so funny to hear you say all that about, you know, not being a good student as an actor. Mm -hmm. but that, and so I guess I'm saying you succeeded as an actor because I'm not hey. aware of, I'm not aware of you acting, but um, yeah, that's all very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a, very salient observation that you made. And it's like an ongoing, probably theme in my life. So Holly Hunter came and talked, Holly Hunter went to Carnegie Mellon and she came and talked to the school once when I was there. And someone said like, what do you think is the big thing that you got from training at Carnegie Mellon? And she said, I feel entitled to walk into any room that will have me there. I put my work in, I did my training, I've paid my dues. Like, there's no room as an actor that you can put me in that I don't feel entitled to be in. And I feel like that's the transition, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For sort of going, like, I hope I can, that's a transition that I made, I think, with better things in the beginning. Mm -hmm. God, with all these people and, you know, feeling like I just want to feel like I belong here. Yeah. Hoping to feel like you belong here to, to a point where I don't even question whether I belong there mm -hmm. anymore. That's, you know, I, I think... Yeah, that, that transition comes up for me a lot and has over the years. Well, it was so funny to, to think about, or it's funny to think about how you talked about cooking as being a respite from, you know, doing creative work for money and that you can kind of just be in your kitchen and kind of just grab this and grab that and be of the spirit. But I also get the sense that with acting, you know, it's sort of allowing, uh, trying to get into that headspace of just sort of being able to trust those instincts and yeah. not make it feel like it's work or prescribed that it's you know it's I, I i think even hearing about your lunch like once you asked like the moment you asked um you know can i just do this however uh -huh. like, as soon as i said yeah then it was like i felt like you know then you yeah un, you know you just sort of went forth and said whatever you know i think it comes to from like you know you looked at my imdb like i spent yeah. a lot of years more more years doing this than what I've done since being sort of a guest actor, one or two episodes here or there. And when you're mm -hmm. doing that, you, you, ha it's like jumping on board a moving train. Like you, mm -hmm. you just have to get there and figure out 
who does what and where you fit and stay out of the way and get your job done. And it's not really about you. So you can't, Mm -hmm. there isn't time for you to make it about you. You, So, you know, my sort of saying like, can I just say whatever? Like that's kind of a a habit, I think, of doing those kinds of jobs where you're sort of like, am I around here allowed to just uh, say this word differently (laughs) or no? Like you have to just quickly suss out how this place works compared to every other place that you've been. And but we should say that, like, what you do, being an actor, whether you're in L.A. or New York, is, to me, is one of the most difficult things I think a person can do. Because <laughs> you simultaneously have to make yourself extraordinarily vulnerable. And uh-huh. then you also have to be tough enough to take rejection after rejection after rejection. And I think that combination, most people can't do that. I think that either yeah. you're vulner- vulnerable enough to be a great actor and be wonderful in scenes and stuff, but that you can't take it getting beat over the head and, and ver- vice versa. Maybe you're like mm-hmm. really tough, but you might not be able to access your emotions. So I, my question to you is how do you do it? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I mean, you're absolutely right. I think yeah. part of it is, first of all, at least early on, you don't get rejection as often as you just get silence. Like, right. you know, you audition for something, you put it out there and then the hard thing is forgetting about it. Because what happens is either you hear a yes or you hear nothing. And like an actual rejection is relatively rare until you get further along Mm -hmm. to the point where you're auditioning for bigger things and you're going to get an answer one way or the other. And then that hurt, it it hurts all over again. And I feel Mm -hmm. like every step of the way, it's like, you know, guitar players build up calluses on their fingers. Mm -hmm. Like you have to build up very specific emotional calluses. Yes. Every time you take a step forward, you have to build a new one. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes it hits us in the gut. I just had a conversation with an actor who I think of as light years ahead of me professionally, who was like, nothing's happening for me. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. This is, and I was like, Oh God, it never stops. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just never stops. Yeah. And, and, and you realize, I think the, the chasm between how other people perceive you in terms mm-hmm. of how successful you are and how we perceive ourselves and that it's all none of it's really real Mm -hmm. it all changes um you know i i hopefully i think we get better at sort of reminding ourselves there are ups and downs this is all part of it this is normal we all go through it this doesn't mean that everyone hates me or you know (laughs) whatever it is and uh, hopefully you have a good therapist i think every (laughs) every working actor should in therapy absolutely for that reason well i feel like we keep circling in a weird way like these conversations for me keep circling back to the same idea which is that there's like this pure thing inside that is like the the desire to act the desire Mm. to cook and it's like you have this pure thing and then you put it out there and it can be corrupted it can be beaten down it can be calloused but you then still have to somehow hold on to it and remember that like you're not doing this for the rewards Although right. you need to support yourself, um, yeah. but you are doing this because you love this thing. And this is the thing that got you started in the first place. But it can be hard, you know, over. I mean, I had that with TV, you know, I wrote for a show, but then I went out for staffing and went out for staffing and went out for staffing. And I met with like, you know, people I really admired and I got really uh-huh. far. And then like I would have a meeting with like a celebrity that was on the show and then it would just would all fall apart. And oh. it's hard not to have like your soul get crushed and to also become really insecure afterwards to be like, Oh, maybe I'm a fraud. Maybe, you know, so this is not for the faint of heart, but cooking is a good, a good respite for all of us, I guess. 
Um, yeah, and I mean, I feel like, you know, another nice thing about cooking is in a relatively short time, you put in the work, you do your creative stuff, and then you can be like, here is the thing I made, and we yes. can reap the benefits. Like, for yes. writers more than actors, I feel like you work on this thing forever. Like, my friends who write pilots, pitch pilots, and sell pilots, and, like, the odds of it ever turning into something that you can watch on television, yes. I it. I don't, I really don't know how. I used to feel like I had a shot. Like I, I, when I came to Hollywood, I was like, oh my God, like, well, you know, I'm just in this race. And now I think of myself as like a little tiny piece of sand, like looking mm-hmm. up at like a gigantic cliff and like meeting <laughs> the skill. It's like, oh wait, that's, that's what this is, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think this, this podcast is turning to the most discouraging podcast for creative people ever. So. Listen, <laughs> but I, so, so what you just made me think of is there was one, uh, season in season two I helped with better things casting because okay. our casting director Felicia had an issue and asked if I could come in and read with some actors and so I know I came Felicia in very well yeah. I just ran into her this morning she lives in yes. my neighborhood yeah she will be invited to the party that we have or yes, she'll probably course. host the party that we have yeah, we yeah eventually yeah. meet but um so I helped Felicia out and I read with a bunch of actors and um you know it's an incredible experience as an actor to be on the other side of auditioning because you you get a whole different perspective but it also just left me feeling like oh my God, I don't know how any of us ever book anything. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, you see 50 actors for this role and 30 of them are great. And 10 of them get sent on to the decision maker and one of them gets it. And I mean, the degree to which it has nothing to do with, yeah. I mean, of course it had the first new books that it has to do with how good you were. But like, I think actors, we like, to think at least beginner actors or maybe from the outside people think it has to do with who did the best acting job. Right. And it's just, it's not, and you know, it's not, but then you see it from that side and you're like, Oh my God, it's really not like, it's not about anything to do with you. It could just be that like this person was the first video they watched and they were late for a meeting. And so they were like her and they didn't even see the rest of them. And it's like, I mean, I'm married to a director and I shouldn't probably say this, but he's casting a feature film right now. And we were just in new Orleans and just because it was pouring rain outside, I happened to be in the bedroom in the hotel room while he was auditioning the lead, the leads Mm -hmm. for the movie. Oh my God. And when I, I not only got to hear a lot of the auditions, but I got to hear all the conversations with the casting director and the director after the audition. (laughs) You you look very stressed out when I'm telling you. It's it's like, you used to think you want to hear those and you're like, I don't want to hear. I never want to hear any of that. And and everything you're saying is a hundred percent correct in the sense that it's arb- it's not arbitrary, but there's there's so many factors that go into this that have nothing to do with how well somebody did. Um, yeah. It's everything you're saying is so true. So, um, well, I want to hear more about your grandfather, the caterer. Your, uh-huh. What is, are you holding a feather? It's a cat's tail in front of the camera. <laughs> okay. I was like, That's is she a cat. herself with a feather? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, That's so you- another thing I do to relieve stress. So the I, the Jewish part of this, we kind of haven't covered that yet. So their mm-hmm. grandfather was a caterer for a synagogue, and then mm-hmm. your father cooked. So was there a lot of, like, matzo ball soup in your house growing up? Was there a lot of pastrami and brisket and that kind of stuff? Yes. Um, I, what I remember is um, whitefish salad oh, yeah. and, like, Love pickled herring. Uh-huh. Um, My dad likes that. Yeah. my gra- I used to, when I was a kid, I called it chicken soup with dents because of the little fat things that would float on the top my grandmother would make matzo mm. ball soup 
that was where we had Passover, um, the Haroset. Yeah, a lot, you know, as a little kid, I did not eat the white fish salad and I thought the pickled herring was gross and I'm still not big on the fish stuff. Mm. But um, but I get it. I've certainly come around to horseradish. Like for sure, as I get older, horseradish and like pickled vegetables, mm-hmm. I've become absolutely nuts about which feels very Jewish to me and, and in oh, a yeah. way that I would, that was not part of my palate. My grandmother my used to sell pickles. She was married to a guy who had a pickle factory on Long Island and <gasps> sold pickles at the Roosevelt Fields flea market. And Felicia, oh. who we were just talking about, has a sister who used to buy pickles. And then <gasps> we, real, we realized that her sister bought pickles from my grandmother. Oh, um, my God. I love it. Your grandfather, though, was he more into like, like you said, catering? Was he doing like bar mitzvahs? That kind of he stuff. was doing anything that happened at the synagogue. So bar mitzvahs, uh-huh. weddings, you know, holiday events. Um, I was young. I didn't get to talk to him much about his business. But right. um, he used to, What really what I remember is that when we would go for high holy day services, which are long, and I was mm-hmm. little, and it was, you know, hard to sit still. And we were down in front because we were caterers, family. And my dad is an incredible singer. And so people mm. people would look to him you know it was like jerry's here and so like it was a lot of all eyes on us and i would get really restless and so my grandfather would take me back into the kitchen and pull a cookie out from under his yarmulke which of course just involved telling me to close my eyes while he put a cookie in his hand and then but i thought it was magic <laughs> when i was <laughs> that's so cute well so yeah. um so your dad was a singer as a hobby or professionally no my dad so my parents met in uh New York City Chorus. They're both singers. My dad went to Westminster Choir College. He was a music teacher. They've always been in um, community choruses and done some professional singing, classical um, chorus chorus stuff. They're in a a chorus in New Jersey called the Mama Civic Chorus, and they do musicals. So my dad, when I was in college, would call me and be like, I have one line in Oklahoma. How should I say it? You know, really, (laughs) really sweet. That's so cute. What what line yeah. was it? Do you remember? I don't. <laughs> I, bet he, I bet he remembers. Um, there's a character in Oklahoma I really don't like who gets that song, Kansas City. And I, I feel like he has like, a, there's somebody yells out a line during that. that uh, I feel like that's, that was your dad's line. Oh, um, so do, do you sing too? I do. I okay. do. I don't get a chance to do it much here. And I didn't, I sort of, you know, when I graduated, I sort of looked at New York and I was like, I can see what I would be in there, New York in you know, Broadway musicals. And that's not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of made a very conscious decision not to do that. I've gotten right. to do some musical theater here, but okay. it's not it, it has deliberately not been a focus. Um, are you a triple threat? I mean, do you act, dance and sing? I mean, can you dance? I would say I'm an actor who moves. <laughs> yeah, I had a dance I in can. college. Yeah, I, I I was in a, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, and I played Hysterium, uh-huh. which was sort of typecasting, and uh, and I had to do the box step, which is very simple, and even that yeah. threw me off. So I'm not a good dancer. Well, I will I will say this: I did an episode of uh, something called AJ and the Queen, which was a oh, Netflix yeah. show with RuPaul, and we were it was me. Bridget Everett, Natasha Leggero, and Rue, and we were like in a trailer park in Arkansas doing a production of Grease. And we had several dance rehearsals. 
for our numbers. And after one of the dance rehearsals, Rue said to me, uh, you were really good in that dance rehearsal. Did you used to be a stripper? And I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. That's no. not where I saw that going. I, I, thought, I didn't know what you, she was going to say. That's so yeah. cool. That's My amazing. husband was like, RuPaul is the only person who could call you a stripper and you would be like <laughs> over the moon excited. That's really but, cool. I, so, so I guess I can dance. So you must have a lot of stories from all of you because I saw that you were on ER. Like you've been on a lot of different shows and you probably have mm-hmm. seen crazy things in your time, but you probably don't want to talk about them on a podcast. I don't know if it's so crazy. There are stories. There are yeah. stories for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe a more appropriate question would be, um, how do you handle eating? Like I, like I'm very weird about like my rituals, like in my mm. day, like I like to have like coffee in the morning, maybe a banana then I'll, you know, have like a, a lunch and then, you know, obviously dinner. But like when I'm when you're working, you're going to a job or yeah. something, I feel like all of that gets shaken up. And so yeah. do you have cer- certain food rituals that you do when you're working? Yeah. I have um, I need protein in the morning mm-hmm. or my blood sugar will go cuckoo. So my standard working breakfast order is um, egg and cheese quesadilla with a little salsa. Okay. So I get a little little carb, some protein, you know, some fat in there. I mean, you say um, order, I, you mean like at craft services or you mean like, like, you yeah, so usually if you get there first thing in the morning, yeah. uh, an AD will say, hello, blah, blah, blah. You'll get your, get your stuff settled. You go right to hair and makeup. What do you right. want for breakfast? And you can say, this is what I want. Great. Because it, and it's, it sounds very posh, but it's also because you have to go right to hair and makeup. Um, you do not have time to go and get your own food. Mm-hmm. So, cause the schedules are like, you know very carefully thought out. So like a breakfast quesadilla, pretty much any catering place, any crafty can do it. I know what I'm going to get and it is familiar. Mm-hmm. I, I like coffee in the morning. I prefer my husband's coffee to mm. the crafty coffee. But if I have to be there before my husband gets up, I will do the crafty coffee, but I'm particular about my coffee. So that what makes your husband's challenge. coffee so good. What does he do? Well, he knows the right, I, I'm a Duncan. Like I grew up with Duncan. I like it lighter than most people. He does a compromise. He would have his darker than I like it if he could. Mm-hmm. Um, he also does. So Trader Joe's used to have wintry blend, which uh-huh. was, has like spices, cinnamon and cloves and nutmeg mm. and stuff in it. Um, whole bean style, but they stopped selling it whole bean style because the nut allergy people could, couldn't have it going through the grinders in the store. So now he makes it at home. Oh. He has like a whole collection of herbs and spices. And so sometimes he will uh, do a wintry blend, which we have right now, a wintry blend mix. And so it's like Yum. catering. Catering's coffee is not going to stand up to our homemade wintry blend mix. It reminds me of the, the monologue from Pulp Fiction where like Quentin Tarantino is in his house and they come there with a dead body and he's doing like talking about how much he loves his wife's coffee and uh-huh do uh, you know what i'm talking about i don't remember exactly a little bit i've seen <laughs> yeah. that once when it oh my god you don't it. remember that then um but tell us about your husband is he also so you mentioned he likes to cook um is, is yeah. his back, background similar to yours is he also jewish and from the east coast he is from the east coast he is not jewish okay um we both grew up in new jersey mm-hmm. um but did not meet until we were in los angeles he's a writer he, um, not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> but like food, food wise, like what kind of food did he grow up with? That's a good question. His, his, 
parents weren't big cooks. Okay. His background is more Midwestern than mine. So like mm-hmm. he grew up with some Midwestern foods that I don't even, it's interesting. Felicia and I have talked about this. I did not, I grew up in New Jersey in central New Jersey uh, in a town called Freehold, hometown of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I did not realize how much my uh, baseline food what is happening just your cats. cat yeah just cats how much of my like baseline food background was italian mm, like yeah of course it just that's where i grew up i didn't even think of a jewish and, and italian a, yeah there's a nexus for sure between jewish and italian food because my parents yes. i mean we, that's all we ate like we would go to see a broadway show and we'd go to carmine's in times square yes. and that was like the iconic like restaurant where like that, that was the kind of food my family always ate red yep. sauce italian yeah yeah and so, and my mom did, there was also some sort of 70s foods. My mom did a lot of casseroles and like, I think just because you could throw them together quickly, my parents both worked. And so it was like, you you know, throw a bunch of stuff and put some cheese on it, stick it in the oven. Um, but so my husband grew up with much more Midwestern mm-hmm. food, I think, than I did. Um, we, it's interesting. Like I, I know um, most of what I know about his food background is that uh he learned to cook as an adult mm-hmm. not so from is, his parents but in terms of like making the marriage work gastronomically speaking or mm-hmm. culinarily speaking are there is it a pretty easy like like do you make food that he is you know naturally enjoys and does he make food that you naturally enjoy or were there some areas yeah. that you had to work we have pretty between? similar we um wine play we sometimes say we had a wine-based courtship we <laughs> um there was a wine store in our neighborhood called Colorado wine company that we used to go to every Sunday. We called it church. Um, (laughs) And so we sort of like developed our wine palettes together and ended Mm -hmm. up, you know, you go out to eat a lot together, ended up kind of developing our um, food palettes and cooking together, you know, as we were dating more, like we were saying, it's more fun to cook for someone and we were both interested in it. And how long have you guys been um, together? Uh, this past year, we got married in May 2011. So this year, oh, okay. this May will be 11 years. And we had, we dated for five years before that. Oh, it's very similar to me and Craig. Yeah. We oh, yeah. Together 15 years and we got married in okay. 2015. So yeah. Wow. So many yeah. Thank you. So, um, well, yeah, it sounds easy. So what is a go-to? Because I, I, I want to get deeper into your food life. Yeah. I'm getting a little glimpses. You know, uh-huh. we can get a good student, made the caprese sandwich, <laughs> you know, Jewish mm-hmm. ancestors, um, Midwestern husband or husband uh-huh. who likes Midwestern food. So what are like your, you know, what, what have we missed about like what you like to eat and like uh-huh. what like, your cuisine looks like when you cook, when you're going out to restaurants? What's, all, what's it all about? So at home, um, like if we don't have time to think about anything, like there's a few kind of like take whatever's in the fridge and figure something out mm-hmm. meals. So there's stir fry. Okay. He's my husband is the rice cooker in the house. Um, stir fry, a bunch of veggies, some tofu or some meat, put that together. There's something we called fancy Mac and cheese, which is a mm-hmm. box of Mac and cheese with whatever <laughs> veggies or bacon or whatever. And other cheeses to like supplement with creme fraiche or mm. and some herbs. We have a garden. So we'll take what's in the garden and take, you know, leftover veggies so that that's off fancy mac and cheese. Wait, this is a cookbook. You should write this as a cookbook and it's called Hack and Cheese. <gasps> okay. Copyright. Ha- nobody nobody Yeah. Cuz you're hacking your mac and cheese. Hack and cheese. Yeah. That's good. Uh, there I do Hack and like H A C K I N apostrophe. 
mac and and cheese. cheese. (gasps) Don't steal this. If you're listening to this, this is not a good idea. Don't, don't do it. Um, Okay. What else do you cook? I want to hear more. Um, I do. I am the leftovers uh, person in the house. Like if there's Mm -hmm. some, so we will, as I said, he's the rice cooker. There will often be leftover either takeout rice or rice that he made. I will do a breakfast rice, which is Mm -hmm. sort of um, like cook a slice of bacon, cook the rice and the fat till it gets nice and toasty um, whip up an egg, some cheese, some veggies, mm, kind yeah. of like a hash, but with rice. I'll do that. Um, okay, I, I'm getting some some insight here. I feel like the next thing I'm going to say about you from your food life, and um, I feel like this is not surprising, but it's that it's a lack of pretension. Like it's you're unpretentious. It's like all yes, of, all of this stuff is very cozy and comforting and not highfalutin and uh, except yes. If like when we go out, mm-hmm. obviously we don't do this all the time, but I love a tasting menu. Oh, ridiculous nice. yeah, with wine pairing. Yeah. Yes. Opulent, mm-hmm. you know, like one percenter foo foo <laughs> tasting menu. Okay. Can't do it a lot. Right. Um, but ooh, I love those. I love those too. I mean, and that's that's like a creative as a creative person, it feels like I get that. It's yeah. like going going to a play or going to a show. Yeah. Um, well, and I like when you can sit at the at the chef's table, like at the counter, and watch the yes. kitchen. Any uh-huh. place where I can sit and watch the kitchen, I love that. But back to your lack of pretentiousness with your own cooking, because okay. I also sense that in your acting, like that it's hmm. you know it's very naturalistic, it's grounded, it's not like uh-huh. you're doing like a British accent and pretending like you're like what Madonna does or whatever. You know, it's like you're that's, not putting on, you're not, that's true. You're not putting on airs, you know. Like, I, I, I'm, no I'm offense also, to Madonna, but yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, like, when you were in school, like, did you do Shakespeare and did you do like Ibsen uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff? And when, when you oh, yeah. did do when you did do that were you able to still stay grounded as yourself? Like, would I have, would I have thought that this is the same person I saw in better things? I don't know. I mean, like, how do you, how uh-huh. do you na- navigate that? I guess is a good question. I think so. I mean, I think, um, I for sure did all of that in college. I think, um, I have always gravitated towards naturalism and realism because I think people are interesting as they are without mm-hmm. a lot of adornment. I think yes. um, the most, and I, this is probably also why I like working on camera, although I love this about theater too. But like, if I'm gonna see theater, probably mm-hmm. I'm gonna see a non-musical play. You lost me there. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what um, that is. Yeah, it, they, they exist. Okay, I, don't I'll, know. <laughs> I'll, once in a while I'll see a musical, but like, first of all, well, I'm not gonna get into that. But <laughs> um, I yeah, I love, watching people act like people. That's what I love doing mm-hmm. as an actor. It's what I love watching as an actor. Real human behavior. I don't I don't think you need to throw a bunch of stuff on top of it to make it interesting. I love heightened language. I love a period piece with beautiful costumes and whatever. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, the thing that I am looking for is truthful human behavior. Yes. You know. It makes me think of, have you ever seen Vanya on 42nd Street? with Wallace Yes. Wallace? Because I feel like that production, that movie kind of captures that, that idea of like actors just sort of drinking coffee and like walking into mm-hmm. the theater. And then there, I love the moment where they just sort of start the play. And you don't realize that the play started yeah. and it's like, oh, these are now they're now we're in this Chekhov play, but, it, but they make it so that it just yeah. feels so natural and so real, which is great. I think, I do think that doing that with, 
heightened language with mm-hmm. Shakespeare with whatever is like a superpower. Um, I haven't done it enough to know if I have or can develop that superpower. I would love to, but when you see it, yeah. um, that is electrifying to me. When you I just see watched someone Macbeth, who can, the, um, uh-huh. the Macbeth, and that was sort of oh. like that. Yeah, it was very kind of naturalistic. I thought. Mm-hmm. I'm, I need to catch up on my. I'm I'm flying back east next week, and my parents, my mom, looks forward to watching screeners with me. Mm-hmm. Every year, she was very upset that I didn't have them over the winter holidays, as we <laughs> oh, usually yeah. do. So I'm going to watch everything next week with my mom. Well, I'm, I'm enjoying like talking to you so much about acting that I'm going to keep asking you about it, even though this is okay. a good podcast. I was going to ask, like, is there the the actor for you that embodies everything you're talking about? And is there an, an example of an actor, maybe you don't want to call them out, but maybe you do, who mm-hmm. embodies the opposite, like what you, what you oh. avoid? Interesting. Um I'm going to look at this question. Patty LaPone would answer this question. Yeah. She just went um, on watch what happens live. And like, they asked her all about like her colleagues and Broadway. And she was just like, if I had Patty LaPone's career, I can answer. <laughs> uh, um, right, fair, no, I have a list on my phone. Okay. Forget. And there's a bunch. So okay. Meryl, obviously easy mm-hmm. answer. Uh, Francis McDormand for yes. sure. Yeah. Um, Emma Thompson, Cherry Jones, Carnegie Mellon. Uh, I'm obsessed with Maggie Smith mm-hmm. um, and Judy Dench. Uh, yeah. Did you watch Tea um, with the Dames? Yes, several times. I watched, that's what we watched instead of screeners when my parents were here. <laughs> I enjoyed was it. We watched Tea with the Dames. Um, <laughs> Jean Smart, like oh, the Jean so Smartessants that we're yes. in right now. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Just love Margot Martindale. Yes. And like character women, older Viola Davis. I did not mean to say older and then say Viola Davis. That was just (laughs) like my brain was just leaping and catching up with itself. Olivia Coleman. I'm just going to push back for a second because Meryl Streep is the only only one on your list who sometimes I feel like I see the gears turning with her. Like I'm Mm -hmm. like, she knows what she's like. She knows that she's playing it natural, but like that's conscious. Whereas like some of these actors you're mentioning, like like Jean Smart, I don't mm-hmm. see the gear. I don't see the gears turning with Jean Smart. Yeah. Like I'm, but Meryl Streep, I do sometimes think I see the gears turning. I think I, I agree with you, and I know what you're saying. It doesn't bother me because I think that is deliberate. Like I think that right. she is a. Uh, so one of the <laughs> one of the things that I got called in school was cerebral. Like I am probably my, and this is true of me as a person too. I'm head over heart. Like I am not emotionally driven. I am intellectually driven. Mostly you see me thinking before you see me feeling, which is, Mm -hmm. is something I have had to work on as an actor because that's not always the case. Often not the case with characters, but I think Meryl Streep is similar. Obviously we have all seen her in roles that are super emotionally driven and she can totally do that. But Mm -hmm. I like seeing, especially a woman being allowed to be a thinker, Yes. Um, it's so things. funny that you said that because I was just talking to my friend Kyle about Macbeth and we were, I was talking about Frances McDormand's performance because I, yeah. I like, I like you love her and everything I've ever seen her, but I actually used the word cerebral. I was like, I found her lady Macbeth mm-hmm. to be very cerebral. And I, mm-hmm. I was kind of missing that kind of lusty, like, mm-hmm. you know, conniving, um, you know, just yeah. that, that, that appetite for like, power. And, and it was just very, mm-hmm. like, very naturalistic, but like, not particularly like sexy. But yeah. to your point about loving to see women be brain first. And, and, and so that was 100% that. So yeah. I'm, I'm even more excited to see it now. Like, yeah. I think, I, I obviously, there's room for both. And I love watching both. And there's a moment for both. But I, um, 
I really like watching often cerebral performances when it's not cerebral at the expense of everything else, when it's not a crutch, which it can be. What's um, an example of that? I mean, can you think of it like a performance that does do that? Um, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. The I have never been, I understand why people love them, but the like before sunset and before sunrise movies. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, where it's very, very talky. It's really, you know, talky, 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 talky. And I'm not saying there's no emotion in them. I can already hear people yelling at me, but they've just never really been my thing. Because, but isn't that like a writer of director thing versus like a um, yes. acting thing? Yeah. Yes. And I, I do think that, I mean, I may be talking out of my ass because I've only I'm going to get an email from you after this and you're like, can you please cut out this part of the conversation? No, no. I'll, I've I'll gotten those. I've, I've only, <laughs> I have only seen them once because I didn't love them. And I'm not saying that the actors did a bad job or they weren't emotional or whatever, but I guess... It's very intellectual. I know what you mean. I felt that way about Weekend, which was the gay version of that. Um, oh, funny. And I found that to be a little too talky. And But I will say the third Sunset movie, like Beyond Sunset, whatever the third one mm-hmm. was, it gets mm-hmm. really emotional. And that one's really charged mm-hmm. and good. Um, well, let's, let's go back to food for a second. So um, every podcast begins with what did you have for lunch? But it ends with what are, what are you mm-hmm. having for dinner tonight? Um... Probably. So we do a meal delivery service. We have since in, was it 2019, 2018, 2019, Mm -hmm. 2020? Some year we had a very bad January. It was just super stressful. All kinds of crazy stuff happened. And someone said to me, like, my husband had knee surgery. So he could, I had to take care of everything. And one of our cats died and I was Mm -hmm. working full time. And it was just like a nightmare. And I think a therapist was like, you should get a meal delivery service to take one thing, <laughs> you know? And I was like, how did I never think of this? And we have done it ever since two or three meals a week, just so that there's, you know, we don't have that to think about. We still yes. cook everything. And we usually get the like culinary adventure ones that are like <laughs> more challenging and there's more, you know, like less just put it in a pan and stick it in the oven. So I think we have like a steak and potato Let's look at what yeah. we have. Let's look at it. That up. sounds delicious. Um, yeah. I'm going out really to a like restaurant them. in Glassell Park tonight for the first time. Uh-huh. Are you going to the wife in the song? Yeah. Have you been there? Uh, uh, yes. Is it good? Yeah, it's delicious. It's okay. really, really, really good. Okay. Um, is this is not what we had, is it? Why? Okay, well, I don't remember what we're having. Okay, but so steak, tonight steak is something. So we're recording this on a Friday. People are going to be hearing this on Monday. And so on a Friday night, I mean, this is, you know, COVID times. Like in the past, like, would you have been going, like getting dressed up and going out ballroom dancing on a Friday night? Or (laughs) stay in with like a blanket on the couch and and reading a book kind of More likely stay in. I don't get dressed up unless I have to. Very rarely I will be like, I feel like getting dolled up. But really very rarely. Um, For a while pre-COVID, we were doing Friday night happy hours. Mm-hmm. So like we would just tell a bunch of friends, like we're going to post up at this bar, come out, we will wander around, we'll get food from somewhere. And I really loved that because we uh, live not far from where you will be having dinner this evening. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just such a great neighborhood. I, that is the thing I really miss since the pandemic is just, mm-hmm. just going out and like 
wandering around and seeing what's new and what jobs have opened and deciding right. what to eat, bumping into people like how, yeah, how really as, as an actor like what what was your pandemic like i mean i mean i mean i know from craig's perspective as a director like for him like <laughs> hollywood shut down and i'm sure for you yeah. too like, like there was no work for like a year and and yeah. how did that affect your day-to-day life and like how you guys manage at home it was brutal um yeah. it was it was really hard. I so I was a mom on a Disney Channel show. Mm-hmm. We had three episodes to go. We were in hiatus week when everything shut down, and we just kind of never went back for those three episodes. And then that oh. was it. So it was a very unceremonious mm-hmm. ending. Um, you know, it's like it was really hard. After we had little like support groups going among all of us because we oh, were really? all. I watched. Oh God, there was one so. When Hamilton came out on Disney Plus in mm-hmm. July of 2020, you know, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to watch Hamilton. And we watched it. We had seen it in the theater. Fine. Watched it at night. Hamilton was over. My husband was like, okay, I'm going to bed. And I was like, uh, I am wide awake and I need to do a musical right now. Like it woke up my dormant actor Okay. in a big way. And I was like, oh no. And it took me like three days to get that Rebecca to go back into hibernation. <laughs> Wait, what do you like, mean you had to was, do a musical? Like you were like, I need to I was like, for it a was, musical? I've, no, I felt like someone had just called places. I was just uh, like, uh, You were wired. You needed to come to my I apartment was, where I have a piano and I could play show tunes for you. Oh my God. I should have. I would have. I was like, I need to do a show right now. And it's 1130 and, yes. <laughs> and it's a pandemic. Um, what would be so, your dream musical part? Just sidebar. I'm trying to think. Like I feel, I feel like it'd be mean, a funny Miss Hannigan, maybe. I do a mean Adelaide's lament. As oh, I love that. That's a great song. Yeah. I don't know about the stripping, but I do a mean Adelaide's <laughs> lament. Although RuPaul. Yeah, RuPaul. Um, yeah, you have a blurb from RuPaul. Say, yeah. yeah. A comedy, a funny musical. It right. would need to be a funny musical. So you wouldn't be Fantine and Les Mis. You don't want to sing "I Dream a Dream" and die. I really, I really don't. I really okay. don't. <laughs> I think Javert, Javert is, I feel like all the fun male parts in musicals are the villains, like Javert and yeah. Les Mis, and then, um, what's his name? I mean, the Phantom of the Opera, of course, is sort of yeah. like a, a torture. A lot of the, I have a, there's a, a classical theater company in LA called Antius, as you may know, and I have a friend who was doing Henry Four, and I went to see him, and he was like, Rebecca, why don't you do more classical theater? And I was like, well, who would I be in this show? Would they let me be Henry? No. Like, I want you to notice that all of the good, not all of them, for sure, good female roles, but, like, you know, if you want to do something big and fun and meaty, most of it is for the fellas. And so, like, unless we're going to be flexible on the casting, which I'm thrilled that so many people are doing. Yes. Yeah. Well, with, I want to do the good stuff. I mean, you have Wicked now, which I guess is, is mm-hmm. I don't know if that's meaty, but there's two female leads there. But I hear your yes. point. That's a good point. Um, okay, so dinner tonight. Let's, let's circle back. So you're going to yes. make this, this meal. Keep... And um, and then what's the ritual on, a, on the Friday night with the stay-at-home meal? And then do you guys watch TV together? We do. My husband is a Jeopardy champion, and his mother was a Jeopardy champion. Wait, so I didn't know always... that. Yes, we always watch Jeopardy. Um, that's I the watched first, all of like, Amy Schneider. I thought she was amazing. Come on, yeah. I, I'm still, I yes. miss 
Amy. I love usually with the long run champions, I get kind of bored. I'm sort of like, okay, good, yeah. good for you. I would have watched Amy for another year. I loved her. That was wonderful. Yeah, I loved watching yeah. her too. Yeah. Um, okay, so he was a Jeopardy champion. So what, what does that mean? That means he won a couple of episodes. He won one. Oh, okay. But he oh, won. Champ- he won. Oh, and then he came he back. Okay, I see. okay. And so were you His there? His mother the taping? won four. Wait, when what? Art, when Art Fleming was the host, my husband, my mother-in-law was a contestant, and she won four episodes. So you married into Jeopardy royalty, basically. I sure did. Yeah. And so do you compete with your husband when you watch Jeopardy? Are you both yelling out answers and yelling? We out are both yelling out answers. I don't think it's competing because we have different strengths. Yes. Um, but I'm uh, terrible yes, at geography. Do. I can't do geography. I can't do history, but I'm great at arts and books. And yeah, and, you and I would know all the same thing. I don't do sports, geography. Uh, why is sports history, on Jeopardy? That's offensive. Sports isn't. Really I agree. Yeah. This is why I always fail the test because there's always some sports or like lakes and rivers or whatever. And it's, yeah. And presidents. I don't really do presidents. But I'm the pop culture that. and the food. And the um, oh, yeah. sometimes the wordplay categories, it depends. Before and after. Yeah. Those are so hard. I mean, I'm so impressed when people answer them quickly. Like, I usually yeah. get get there, but it's like, oh, my, how did your brain do that so fast? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because, like, I'm getting insight into Craig now through Wordle. Are you doing Wordle? Oh, yes. Because it's like we do it together. And I, I think mm. it would be a, like a Jewish thing. But like my brain is like constantly spinning. Like it's like a top. Like going, going, <laughs> going, going, going. So like when I do Wordle, yeah. like if I'm alone, I'm just like, <laughs> I just do it uh-huh. quick, quick, quick. And then he sits there and stares at And it's like even just the first oh, word. No. I'm like, pick a word. And he'll be like, hmm. <laughs> hmm. Are you kidding? No. Like, just pick a word. Um, well, Rebecca, we're almost done. We flew through your session. Did you feel like we covered everything we needed to cover? I think so. I'm very impressed with the insights that you were able to uh, pull out in with just what I feel like was sort of limited information. It's very impressive. Oh, you should thank do you. This. I'm going to do the LA thing. You should do this professionally. <laughs> I know this should be my job. Well, um, well, you'll be happy to know this does not make any money. So this is very pure. Excellent. Yeah. Good. I was going to say the other thing I was going to say about your food because we have four minutes left. Because it's unpretentious, but it's also very like cozy and welcoming yeah. and inv- inviting, which I think is another quality that p- perhaps is mm. true of you. Have you have you yeah. ever played? Have you played any like villains or like unlikable people in in your? A couple career? of murderers and adulteresses. I do play unlikable people. Yeah. Um, or like kind of villainous people with some regularity, which I think is super fun. I think likability is way overrated in characters mm-hmm. i really i i don't i don't succession has zero likable people on right. it and it's the best show on television um yeah so i do i do get to play villains sometimes i, mean, but I like to think i'm in yeah. fact a welcoming person you're welcoming but there's i could see like you know there's an intelligence <laughs> there it's like not you don't maybe you don't suffer fools gladly yeah I, that's fair to say i also uh, I'm terrible at hiding what I'm thinking or feeling on my oh, face. Oh, same. 100%. Which is great for being an actor and awful for being a person in the world. Yeah, I 100% <laughs> share that with you. And I've certainly like sat through many a dinner where I'll get a report card <laughs> afterwards. Like, they thought you hated them. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe yeah. I did. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is why I'm going to keep wearing masks. 
Yes, masks are great so helpful. That. Oh my god! All right, well, Rebecca, let's make a plan. We're gonna meet in real life, and we will have a taste, tasting menu. That'll be fun. <gasps> uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay, well, enjoy your dinner tonight, and thank you. Um, I'll see you back on Twitter <laughs> in five minutes. Okay, great. Okay, bye. Take care. <laughs> bye. Thank you.